real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is DJT four ten twenty, and um, we're going to be having his live uh, coronavirus. Uh, session at one today considering that it's good friday for the majority of the christian uh you know denominations around the world and happy good friday to all of you that are celebrating holy week this week uh you know it's going to be uh pretty intense today because sunday everybody forgets about sunday and so uh, today is the kickoff, and I thought that maybe we can, you know, discuss what this kickoff is, discuss how it goes, because right now we're in the eye of the storm, and uh, that could be both taken literally and non, uh, literally on the fact that um, insane weather is hitting the East Coast. It is smacking it really hard from what I hear, and, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty incredible. Um, we're going to see that uh, there are a few people uh, that are going to be missing on Good Friday. Uh, that can be uh, a couple of people that work in office. Who knows? We'll see. But I thought that we could start this show uh, to uninterrupted to listen to the best part of the one-to-one with Attorney General Barr uh, with uh, Laura Ingram and uh, kind of build on that uh, and see what the past has told us uh, that ties into what we're hearing today. So I thought I'd start the Tory Says Show with that so all of us can kind of get a feel of where we're going today and get a feel of what uh, is to come today uh, because what people will realize is that, you know, it does take time. Remember, we have, uh, you know, prosecutors out there, one of them out there in the open with his name, Durham, who are not there to give reports. That's not their job. A prosecutor doesn't give a report, okay? A report is given when you're overseeing something, when you're auditing something. He's not auditing. He's prosecuting. So what you need to understand is that difference. No one is waiting for a Durham report. That's not what's what's happening. (laughs) Where's my old boss? Hey, John, where are you at? Welfare check. So let's take a listen with no further ado. Of consideration of the federal inmate population given the coronavirus. Where does that stand now given the concerns about the spread of the virus inside state prisons and obviously federal facilities? We're not going to open our prisons and let prisoners go free. Our, our, generally, our, our uh, mission is to protect the public and we're not going to do anything that's contrary to that. Where we find a prisoner who is vulnerable uh, because of their age and their medical condition, that has served a substantial part of their sentence, that has not been convicted for a violent crime or a sexual crime, uh, does not pose a threat to the community, we're using uh, every tool we have uh, to put them in home confinement, provided we think home confinement will not be more dangerous than staying where they are, and also uh, after a quarantine period where we can ensure that they're not taking the disease into the public. You have been um criticized recently for focusing on the drug cartels during the COVID virus. 
this issue of drug cartels, it doesn't feel like that is the frontline concern of every American right now. It might have seemed like an odd thing yesterday to be talking about drug cartels. It's not top of mind for uh, the healthcare workers who are on the front lines of this, Chuck, and for so many Americans. Well, it might come as a surprise to some of these people that the, the uh, federal government, the, the Justice Department, specifically has 115,000 people who uh, are dedicated to protecting the public safety, including uh, preventing narcotics trafficking. And we're actually able to do more than one thing at a time. And we're hand handling different kinds of cases. Uh, maybe uh, fraud is not on the top of their mind, but we still police fraud. It's very interesting because drugs kill 70,000 Americans a year, 70,000 a year, and uh, it's poison. And we have to make sure that during this period, the cartels are not taking advantage of the United States and pumping this poison up into the United States. And the border is getting tougher to penetrate now, and so they're coming in via boat and navigable waterways to get into the United States. Right, and, and they're relying more on boats to bring the cocaine up from, from South America up for further transportation into the United States. And, and uh, so the, the Justice Department can do more than one thing at, at once. The, and and uh, I, I'm amused whenever I see, you know, Barr has intervened in this case or Barr has done such and such at the time of the COVID crisis. Business uh, for the Department of Justice has to continue. John Brennan has come out smashing the president's firing of Inspector General Michael Atkinson. Let's listen. By removing Mr. Atkinson and also, I think, trying to send a signal to others, Mr. Trump continues to show his insecurity in terms of trying to stop anybody who is going to expose, again, the lawlessness that I think he not only has allowed to continue, but also that he abets. I think the president did the right thing in removing uh, Atkinson. Uh, from the vantage point of the Department of Justice, uh, he had interpreted his statute, which is a fairly narrow statute that gave him jurisdiction over wrongdoing by intelligence people, and uh, tried to turn it into uh, a commission to explore anything in the government and immediately report it to Congress without letting the executive branch look at it and, and, and determine whether there was any problem. He was told this. And in a letter from the Department of Justice, and he is obliged to follow the interpretation of the Department of Justice, and he ignored it. So uh, I think the president was correct in, in firing him. And it's, not, it's, a, it's a second inspector general. He's fired uh, since the beginning of this uh, pandemic. And, of course, that's used to say, well, the president just doesn't want a watchdog. No, I don't think that's true. I think he wants responsible watchdogs. What can you tell us about the state of John Durham's investigation? People have been waiting for the, the final report on what happened with this. Uh, what can you tell us? Well, I think a report you know, may be and probably will be a byproduct of his activity, but his primary focus isn't to prepare a report. He is looking to bring to justice people who were engaged in abuses if he can show that they were criminal violations. And that's what the focus is on. And uh, as you know, uh, being a lawyer yourself, building these cases, especially the sprawling case we have between us that went on for two or three years here, uh, it takes some time. It takes some time to build, uh, to build the case. So he's diligently pursuing it. Uh, my own view 
is that uh, the evidence uh, shows that we're not dealing with just uh, mistakes or sloppiness. There was something far more troubling here, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. And if people uh, broke the law, and we can establish that with the evidence, they will be prosecuted. The president is very frustrated. I think you, you obviously know that uh, about Andrew McCabe. He, he, he believes that people like McCabe and others just were able to basically flout laws and so far with impunity. I think the president has every right to be frustrated because I think what happened to him was one of the greatest travesties in American history. Without any basis, uh, they uh, started this investigation of his campaign. Uh, and even uh, more concerning, actually, is what happened after the campaign, a whole pattern of events while he was president. Uh, so I, uh, to sabotage the presidency, and uh, I, I think that, uh, or at least had the effect of sabotaging the presidency. Will FISA abuses really be prevented going forward, given what happened here, where FISA judges are not given critical pieces of information, material facts about evidence that inform the government's okaying the surveillance of American citizens? You know, I think it's possible to put in a regime that would make it very hard uh, either to willfully circumvent FISA uh, or uh, to do so sloppily without due regard for the rights of the, uh, the American person involved. And also to make it very clear that any misconduct will be discovered and discovered fairly promptly. So I do think we can put in safeguards that will enable us to go forward with this important tool. Uh, I think it's very sad uh, and the people who abused FISA have a lot to answer for because this was an important tool to protect the American people. They abused it. Uh, they undercut public confidence in FISA, but also the FBI as an institution. Uh, and we have to rebuild that. I hate the fact that they force these ads now. They literally force these ads and it's annoying. And I'm trying to ensure that we don't get them because they constantly have these ads from the Democratic National Training Committee. All right. So let's, let's, let's move ahead. So what did we hear? We heard Barr outline that we have prosecutions going. We heard Barr saying that there is something more egregious here that has been happening. We heard him and he's not really doing anything, is he? But we just have to trust that the reason he is there is for one reason only, and that is to follow the lines. What, what do I mean by that? So you heard him how, uh, the, you know, Laura Ingram and him, let's take the first step, discussed how they criticized the president for looking into the cartels. In the meantime, he also made mention how just because there is a pandemic doesn't mean that the Justice Department takes a day off. That's just ridiculous and preposterous. That just, um, I would say, fuels lawlessness, something that they want, of course, uh, because with lawlessness, uh, they are able to dance. So the question here is, if they're advocating for not working on other things, what is it that they're trying to hide? Why are they upset that we are trying to stop the cartels? That's, that's the one thing. Then he went on to the abuses, the fact that they did something more than just errors. And there is a specific clip I'm going to play that is 40 seconds, which is exactly what we need to focus on this. 
okay, what is going on with my system today? It just, it just doesn't want to be my friend today at all. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. So let's, let's basically what he was saying is that we're going to get to the bottom of it. And if people broke the law, we're going to establish that with hard evidence and they will be prosecuted. So today is Good Friday. And what people forget is that there is a Sunday that comes with the Friday. Today, people around the world, the majority of the Christian faiths are celebrating uh, the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, Celebrating, you would say, how? Well, mourning the ignorance, I guess, of the people of the time. How they were so excited to see a man who caused no harm and yet just uh, pushed forward a message of love uh, to be tortured in that sense. And it is through his um, torture that people saw the truth. And that is how it is coming to be here in a more, uh, you know, parallel sense that we, the people have been terrorized. We have been tortured. We have been, uh, put, uh, through the ringer really. I mean, 2020 has been insane. You know, those, uh, memes that are like, oh, 2019 really did you in? Well, 2020 is like, hold my beer. Uh, you know, it's been, we're in the fourth month of this year and it feels like we've already lived 10 years and no one's understanding why the sense of this is happening. So we are now in a place where we are understanding that we have been victims to fake news. We are under, our eyes are being opened. I've had numerous conversations with friends and family that have never been solid. Their feet have never stood still. They've never put that buckle of truth on. They just accepted life as it was. And uh, it was never the way one would think it would go. It was weird, right? People felt awkward and didn't know which way to go, especially these past three weeks. They're in a place of limbo of understanding. This what ha- this is this is where you're at every morning when you get up. When you're ready to wake up, you're in this limbo place of, oh, let me just focus. Your eyes need to focus. They open slowly to focus that they're open. And, and that you're awake. And this is where everyone is at right now. So what is Good Friday going to hand us? What is going to happen today that will be solidified within the next 48 hours? The, the question that everyone should be asking is, has this pandemic, plandemic, infodemic worked to our advantage? Has it? And the thing is, it has worked to their disadvantage, their disadvantage to be exposed for who they are because everyone is at home with full access to the internet and information. They have nothing else to do other than to search for information and they are realizing that that information is not going to come from CNN. That information is not coming from MSNBC either. It is not coming from CBS. It is not coming from ABC. It is coming from you, the people. Uh, So many people are on YouTube, watching videos, talking, having conversations. New groups have popped up on Facebook. The conversations that are ensuing in the cyberspace are insane. People are finally asking questions. And the only way you get to the truth is by asking questions. 
And when you see that other reporters are attacking reporters for asking questions, that makes you cock your head and think, hmm, that's odd. Aren't you supposed to be asking questions? Aren't you supposed to be probing? Now, here is how you understand the difference between evil and good. How do I say this? So the president of the United States has been offering us, me- uh, you know, messages of reassurance, messages that we will get through this because that is what a good leader does. He takes the weight of the world on his shoulders and plows forward, finding solutions and remedies for everything in his path. Those that seek to torture you, to put you in fear, to make you be afraid of your own shadow, do not. They do things like this. If uh, it would work, that would be great. I hear him. He's always complaining. That the attributes of self-discipline. Only CNN would ask that question. Fake news. Go ahead. Of quiet, good-humored resolve. What do you have to lose? We join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavor. I have a friend of mine said he didn't know we had so many countries in the world, 182 countries. We may have more still to endure. We have to open our country up. We have to get go. We have to open our country up. Using the great advances of science. What do I know? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I have common sense. And our instinctive compassion to heal. If it does help, great. If it doesn't help, we gave it a shot. What a contrast in leadership. There you have Queen Elizabeth talking about a common cause. And then you have Donald Trump, who had an unscheduled press conference yesterday evening. Uh, for what reason, few people really know, because uh, if, if you break down what the president said, and a lot of people have been analyzing it uh, over the night. It's pretty uh, much nothing it, of news. No, nothing new, nothing noteworthy. The president... Did you guys see that? So they compared the crown to the president of the United States, the crown that sits on her throne and, uh, you know, rules over people to the man that is leading and walking with the people. They compared the crown with their Gestapo tactics. Guys, they are literally keeping people in their house. They're not allowed to be out in their yards unless they're going somewhere and they will be stopped and questioned. They are forcing people to align themselves with the idea that they will need to have certifications of vaccination. Yet Joe has compared the queen to the president of the United States, showing where his loyalty lies to the elitist <laughs> cabal, of course. Attacked a governor mm-hmm. uh, in personal terms uh, for no, no reason at all, actually. Uh, it's the last thing you want to do. In a time of crisis, uh, he continued to push an unproven drug uh, whose efficacy on this pandemic is still unknown. And he has his hack, Peter Navarro, running around breaking up meetings where White House officials, uh, Dr. Fauci, is trying to help you and your family. Dr. Fauci wants you to get a digital certificate and mark you with a yellow star to see if you're immune or not. Are you of the new batch of human race that is allowed to survive or are you not? Are you kidding? Now, moving it along, the new uh, push is showing drone footage, right? Of course, the left had the drone footage of mass burials. 
mass graves at Heart Island, which is just off the coast of the Bronx. And that's where they usually bury people that have no one to claim them. See, in New York City or in any city, when you pass away, if they can't find your next of kin, they put you in an unmarked grave or with your name, but somewhere else, you know, for people that can't afford it or whatever. Now, I'm finding it really hard to believe really hard to believe uh, because I'm from New York that all these deaths went unclaimed. And so it leads me to believe that these are not family members and loved ones because in a time of turmoil where your loved one dies of coronavirus, the people around you will rally up and help you bury them correctly. They will not have them go off into a mass burial. So are they trying to tell us that all of those people had no loved ones? Is that what they're trying to tell? Or are they temporarily mass burying people? Tell you what makes more sense that these are probably the result of human trafficking victims that have been found and maybe the MS-13 or other gang members that were resistant. That, I believe, to say that no New Yorker would rally around to provide a proper burial for a fellow New Yorker that has succumbed to coronavirus is not true. The one thing New Yorkers do is bind together. Yes, we're a little bit ruder. Yes, we don't beat around the bush. Yes, <laughs> we walk really fast, right? And we talk really fast, right? And we have zero patience. But there has never been a time in my life where I have seen New Yorkers ignore uh, what is need to be done. This is unacceptable. This is a lie, a very big lie, and it should be showcased and, and sounded off uh, with the loudest of voices because this cannot be, this is not New York. We are America. This is not America. Okay. When you, when these faceless, nameless persons are mass buried and you're trying to claim that they are your people, your citizens, it does not make sense at all. So what else is going on is the question that no one is asking and we should. So what we'll do is we'll travel back in time to November of last year and listen to this report where the Mexican president rejected to call to wage war on the cartels. A burnt-out vehicle was found by the side of a road with remains of some of the victims. Three women and their 14 children were traveling in a convoy between the Mexican states of Sonora and Chihuahua when they were attacked by suspected drug cartel gunmen. Trump told Mexico's President Andres Obrador in a tweet that the cartels have become too powerful and it was time for Mexico to wage war on them with U.S. help. Obrador responded that gunning down gang members would not solve the problem. Of course, we didn't want this to happen, but we do not think that riddling them with bullets, slaughtering, using force, blood and fire will solve the problem. Mexico has long battled organized crime, and as gangs became more powerful than the local police, the government deployed military troops to handle them. Despite the effort, killings by cartels have increased. Mexico has registered nearly a quarter million homicides in the last 12 years, many linked to wars between rival drug cartels. 
Mexico's interior minister said the massacred U.S. family may have fallen victim to a turf war between two groups. The convoy, composed of two suburban vans, may have been confused for criminal gangs that fight for control in the region. Powerful drug lords are believed to have divided Mexico into areas of control, and there are allegations of collusion between local police and gangs. The country's central government appears to be no match to these entrenched and ever more powerful armed groups. U.S. Senator Mitt Romney, a rare Republican who sometimes criticizes Trump, said Tuesday the president is right to demand action against Mexican criminal groups near the U.S. border. We have a good relationship with, with Mexico, and, and yet what's happening along the border uh, with regards to these cartels uh, and the increasing level of violence is a real concern to us and I think to the Mexican government and how to deal with it. This has been something that Mexico has been working on for a long, long time, and there's still a problem, and it's getting worse. And uh, so the president says, look, let's get serious about it, and, and has indicated that he'd be willing to help, and I think that's uh, the right sentiment. Mexico's president said he wants to talk to Trump about cooperation in the fight against organized crime, but also preserve Mexico's sovereignty. Zlatica Ho, VOA News, Washington. So the other thing that was said was that the cartels decide who lives or dies. And I think Governor Cuomo said the same thing. I decide who lives or dies. What does that tell you? He said it. Yes, he did. I heard him while this was playing. He said, I decide who lives or dies. You know, this is war you have not seen and it is an invisible enemy and it's not a microscopic enemy they're right under your nose if you can't see what is happening right i'm i'm just i'm just i i don't know what to say i am telling you as a new yorker no new yorkers in new york city would not be present to help their fellow New Yorker. This is 100%. Using dump trucks to dump the dead? How dare they? Listen to what the Mexican president, oh yeah, yeah, we want to talk. Who was there? Mitt Romney, of course. Are they trying are they trying to say that those New Yorkers deserve nothing but a dump truck? Is that how you treat your dead with respect? I mean, of all days Good Friday where, you know, it is being com- well where well, where most Christian faiths today are commemorating the death and crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we're dumping people with dump trucks. And they want you to believe that's okay. That should outrage you. Not on the numbers of the dead, but it should outrage you. Even if they were a cartel member, let's say. Even if they were a faceless child. Faceless woman, faceless man, victim to trafficking. They deserve respect. But here we are at war with a silent enemy, an invisible enemy that has been working right underneath your feet and propping up those that you see in elected office that are doing everything in their power to keep you below them.
This is exactly what we're seeing. And unfortunately, a lot of people are not seeing it for what it is. They're seeing it as, oh my, look at all those people that died. No one's saying, oh my gosh, that could be someone I know. It could be the guy that ran the deli and gave me the really good Reuben sandwiches. He's being dumped in there with a dump truck. That could have been my teacher, you know, because apparently it's all New Yorkers that nobody can afford or nobody wants to bury, right? That's what you should be thinking. It's not making sense. I Emma, I said the numbers were conflated. Now all that is coming out. Yeah, your heart attack. Well, if you tested positive for COVID, you probably had a heart attack because of that. Pneumonia, that. Shark attack, that. Fell out of a plane, that. It's all COVID. Gunshot, COVID. So now we know that they're skewing the numbers. Completely. And they have embarrassed themselves on a world stage saying, even if we social distance, 2 million will die. That's down to 60,000. And they've extended the date of 60,000 to August 4th with an average of seven and a half thousand deaths a day. That's easily achievable. Okay. (laughs) Easily achievable for the ones that they could say, oh yeah, coronavirus. I mean, you know, um, hard impact is going to be really, really hard. You know, the guy had a car accident, 10 pile car over, uh, you know, decapitated, but coronavirus It's going to be difficult for the Office of Vital Records. So they're focusing on inflating the numbers, and now they're giving you a visual of burying all these people. So the question that you should have is, who are these people going in the the hole with a dump truck? What is wrong with people? Asking questions is what we should be doing. Hold on a second. Why are you using dump trunk? And who says, Cuomo, that you decide who lives or dies? Who says that? Who says that and gets away with it? And I'm glad to see that someone picked that up and... Believe it or not, diamond and silk strike again. Did Governor Cuomo just say we will determine who lives and dies? Oh, my gosh. There we go. This is where we're at, you guys. This is what we have. You know, I was, um, I popped out this morning to go get uh, a piece of fruit from the corner, just a walk. And um, I, I met, a, you know, I have a lot of police that hang out, um, which makes me super safe, uh, in my lobby. And I was like, why are you wearing a mask? Are you sick? He's like, no, it's just to prevent myself. And I was like, well, it works the other way, but okay. And he was like, well, I have my own stash right of masks says the police officer to me and i i kind of just paused for a second and i was thinking wow well i said think this is a police officer who's working right now right he's out there and he's totally pooping his pants he's wearing masks apparently the police departments have given an order that people wear masks um you know they haven't fitted them it's from their own stash uh so they're not giving them masks or are they i don't know something like take one put it there or something i don't, I, I really don't know but i realize that a lot of people are terrorized even people that are out there working right now because they have to like police officers nurses doctors are also being terrorized by the media also being terrorized by these uh, pseudo leaders like Uh, you know, Cuomo, how dare he say that he decides who lives and dies? You know, how dare he? All they do is sit there and tell us just how wrong the president is. Tell us how wrong all of this is, how we shouldn't be experimenting with medications because we don't know if it works. And Fauci says that antibody tests are coming soon. Uh, 
boy, they're already here. So I want you to listen to what CBS This Morning said in regards to this uh, digging mass graves and dumping people with dump trucks, with dump trucks on CBS This Morning. It'll make you sick because this is not America. This is not how America works. With an alarming new milestone right here in America, New York State now has more reported coronavirus cases than any country in the world. Let that sink in for just a second. And new pictures are a disturbing reminder of the human toll of that. This is a mass grave being dug for coronavirus victims at New York City's Potter's Field, where unclaimed bodies are laid to rest. Yeah, it's a reminder there that the poorest and most marginal are bearing the greatest burden in this crisis. And it's a widening crisis. More than 466,000 COVID cases reported nationwide. And the death toll is now well above 16,000. But there are signs of improvement. Hospital admissions from the virus are declining in New York and California, two of the hardest hit states. Our lead national correspondent, David Begnow, is here in New York at the U.S. Naval Hospital ship, The Comfort. David, good morning. So we've been hearing about deadliest days in New York for several days in a row, but we may be, hearing, we may, we may be hitting a turning point, turning a corner. How so? Well, maybe so, Tony, and let me tell you why. In speaking with one of the commanders here on the ship yesterday, I said to him, how come you've only treated 100 patients or so when you have capacity for so much more? And he said, sir, we're just not getting that many patients coming to us. The need doesn't exist. So we called the governor's office, and the governor's office told us this. There are 90,000 hospital beds statewide because they've had to add so many in recent weeks, but only 18,000 of them are actually filled. So, yeah, this is really good news. But every time we get good news like that, it seems to always be said right alongside something that is stunning like this. So many people are dying in New York City due to coronavirus complications that the morgues are crowded to the point where new graves are being dug off Hart Island near the Bronx. Crews are burying unclaimed bodies that have been at the morgue for more than two weeks. Still, the state's new hospitalizations are the lowest they have been since the coronavirus crisis started. And ICU admissions are at their lowest level in more than three weeks. All of this data suggests that we are flattening the curve so far. And that's why one place that was supposed to be a field hospital is scaling back. Beds had been set up two days ago at this Manhattan cathedral. They've now been packed away. Meanwhile, logistical issues appear to be part of the reason why the 500-bed hospital ship Comfort has treated only 80 patients so far. What do you say to people in Manhattan who are looking at this saying, you've got this big, beautiful ship with a lot of room and it's practically empty? The optics may not be great. We've been working with, uh, again, uh, the city of New York, FEMA. Any disaster emergency response takes a little bit from a coordination perspective. There are moments of joy happening around the country. In Missouri, 87-year-old Don Lockmiller has survived the coronavirus. He spent 10 days in the hospital and is now home. But the virus continues to spread in places in the Midwest. In Michigan, the number of deaths in a single day was expected to peak on Thursday. Detroit nurse Jennifer Rauco says she saw three bodies taken to the morgue in one shift. That's a bad day, but unfortunately, there are days that that has become a normal 
Okay, let me tell you something, what my day was like every day in the ICU in telemetry when I was working um, and when I was doing rounds. I would at a minimum have five people a day go to the morgue. At a minimum, five people a day. This is ridiculous. They're exaggerating what's happening. The question is, I want to know who these people are that have been sitting there uh, you know, for two weeks that no one claimed. Could they be foreigners? Could they be tourists? Who are they? And what did they die from? Was it coronavirus? Are they empty? Are they full? I don't know. We just have to accept what they tell us. Now, thank you to my friend, Mike, who uh, sent me uh, um, a clip uh, that Dan Scavino just um, put out. I want us to take a listen. Now, here's the president. Jay. Well, thank you very much on this Good Friday. Christians from all around the world remember the suffering and death upon the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At Easter Sunday, we will celebrate his glorious resurrection. At this holy time, our nation is engaged in a battle like never before, the invisible enemy. Our brave doctors, nurses, and responders, first responders, responders of all, are fighting to save lives. Our workers are racing to deliver critical medical supplies. Our best scientists are working around the clock to develop life-saving therapeutics, and I think they're doing really well in doing so. Our people are making tremendous sacrifices to end this pandemic. Though we will not be able to gather together with one another as we normally would on Easter, we can use this sacred time to focus on prayer, reflection, and growing in our personal relationship with God, so important. I ask all Americans to pray that God will heal our nation, to bring comfort to those who are grieving, to give strength to the doctors, nurses, and healthcare workers, to restore health to the sick, and to renew the hope in every person who is suffering. Our nation will come through like never before. I thank the many families who have prayed for me and for my family, and your prayers are felt and I am forever grateful. I'd like to thank our great vice president and his wonderful wife, who we all know very well, Karen, for the incredible job they do and for their service, not only to the country, but for their service to God. Almost 3,000 years ago, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words, darkness covers the earth, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. As our nation battles the invisible enemy, we reaffirm that Americans believe in the power of prayer. We give thanks for the majesty of creation and for the gift of eternal life, and we place our trust in the hands of Almighty God. I'd like to just wish everybody a very Happy Easter. We're going to be celebrating that very, very special day. And it's going to be hopefully a very good weekend and a very productive weekend. And I want to thank everybody in our country and beyond for all they've had to put up with. 184 countries as of this morning are fighting this enemy. And we pray for them all. With that, I'd like to introduce Bishop Harry Jackson from Maryland, highly respected gentleman who is a, uh, a member of our faith and a person that we have 
tremendous respect for. Bishop, please. Thank, thank you. you, Mr. President. First of all, let me say thank you for the job you're doing, you and the Vice President, to protect our nation. And you've included the churches in the relief efforts. Many churches would have had to close down yes. had it not been for your insightful uh, leadership. So thank you both very much. Thank you. I, Good Friday, as we prepare to pray, is one of the darkest days in the Christian faith in that Christ stood in substitution for our sin. But the resurrection is our victory. But it parallels with the Passover. I'm going to read two verses and pray out of them about what we want to have happen. We want this plague to pass over. We want everyone in America to be safe. Psalm 105 says, He brought them out without, with gold, silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Verse 39 goes on to say, He spread a cloud for covering and fire to give light in the night. Let us pray. Lord, let the death angel pass over. Let there be a mitigation of this plague, this disease. Let medical science come forth. Lord, let us come out with a thriving economy. That silver and gold spoken of in that passage, let it be our portion. And then God, as we face other challenges in the future, Lord, cover us with a cloud by day and a fire by night. But in this great land that was set up to glorify your name, we want to break, we come against the spirit of division. Lord, let E Purbus Unum be a reality in us. Let there be a uniting of America. Heal the divide between race, class, and gender. Once again, give this great man our president and give the vice president wisdom beyond their natural limitations. Give them insight so they can cover us, lead us, and bless us. We bless them and America in Jesus' name. Be encouraged. Hope is on the way. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. That's beautiful. Thank, thank you, you my friend. That was a great honor. Thank you. And thank you all. And uh, have a great Good Friday. And we're going to see you in a little while. And also, if I don't see you, have a great Easter. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. President, Mr. President, what's Okay, so he seems really stressed, but he gave us one keyword. It will be a very productive weekend because together we win. That's the way it is. And with faith, we win. And how is this going to happen? Well, again, they always forget Sunday because the resurrection is on Sunday. That is when the resurrection is. And so, uh, you know, will he be using this resurrection, this Easter, or the one after Passover? Nobody knows. But one thing is, is that they forget that it is Sunday. They forget that after Friday, there is always a Sunday. And that is what's important, that we remember that there is Sunday. Um, you know, from Friday to Sunday, productive weekend. And so he is, uh, from what I saw in the video, for those of you, uh, Dan Scavino has retweeted it. Uh, it is indeed on.
And what you need to remember is you have to remember how many CEO departures have you had? How many DIA? How many White House? How many state? How many DOJ? FBI? Think. Think. How many people left the Pentagon, the Senate? How many ambassadors? How many IGs? Think of what is happening. Think of how it's happening. Think of who we put in the Supreme Court lately. Think about who we have in the FBI right now. Think about who we have in the CIA right now, the DOJ right now. You, <laughs> we have everything. So uh, one thing people need to understand is, you know, do not assume that when things are happening, you'll see them. So for example, a lot of people didn't notice that a business called Julie Onesies from South Dakota was prosecuted over two years ago. It actually started in 2017, but was actually found to have to pay a fine of like 750000 for botch consulting, and I'm using air quotes here, um, back then. And that was actually determined in 2019. Now that went under the radar. But in the meantime, since then, all of these other states have had to pay fines to the United States government. Fines. And guess what fines? Um, it's from the Department of Children and Family um, Services. Now you're going to say, what? Yeah. And it doesn't have to do with adoptions. I'll tell you what it has to do. SNAP benefits. SNAP benefits. SNAP benefits that were so, they were robbing us blind. Robbie, and you're going to say, wait a minute. So the states were wrong. Ha ha ha. So who gets SNAP benefits? Think about it. It's, I mean, everybody now would probably qualify for SNAP benefits, right? But it's helping people have access to food. And it's usually people with children or it's foster families, foster families. So now today it was announced that the Louisiana Department of Children and Family Services is going to pay $3.9 million to resolve False Claims Act liability. Wait a minute. So are you saying $3.9 million? <laughs> Do you know how much money we've already collected? Over $36 million in connection with this investigation. And this was announced today. And this is about crimes that happened over a decade ago. And this is just one person with their own name, Julie Onesies, in South Dakota that was doing this everywhere. <laughs> you know what else is in South Dakota? Have you guys ever checked your bills to see where your bills come from? It's usually what? South Dakota and Nebraska. I just want you to pay attention to that. Look at where the credit card companies sit down and send you. That is all you know. You need to know. Uh, you know, these, these are the things they don't want you seeing while you were sleeping, you know, what they've been doing while you were sleeping, fake a haunt this push the bill to take away your weapons and disallow people from having weapons. So what do you do? Do you tell these clowns like Adam Schiff and Pelosi and <laughs> my old boss, Comey and whatnot, that you're coming? Do you think that, you know, by putting it, um, you know, <laughs> it will you know, help us actually. Mm. So the mainstream media takes no day off on trying to discredit people. It's trying to discredit people in regards to what they're putting out. Why are you asking questions? Why do you think, you know, Good Friday's the day? <laughs> Welfare check on John Brennan, please. Table two. So, um, you don't tell them what you're going to do, right? You don't. You have to, 
uh, let them run scared looking for things. So, you know, uh, what is Good Friday? Because see, Sunday, there's a saying by Melina Mercury. Uh, she was actually a Greek actress that was, you know, uh, known internationally for, um, um, for a specific movie. And from that movie derived the notion, it's only Sunday once. Now, this is a kind of like a proverb that Greeks use uh, when, you know, you're like, okay, this only happens once a week. Sunday is only once. And so I want you to remember that Sunday only comes once and the initiation is what counts. And the initiation to all happens when you're in the middle of it, in the still of the moment where the chaos is ensuing. Because if you can just sit there for a moment and imagine, Imagine you were the president, okay? Just imagine you were the president of the United States. You've got funny money floating your economy, right? You've got nations globally that hate you. You've got old money from 13 lineages that despise you. You have their underlinging networks. You have millions of children globally right now being tortured and maimed, not so much for just sustenance and, you know, pleasure, but for experimentation. You have a nation where everybody hates you. You can cure a disease and they will still hate you. No matter what you do, they will come after you. You have people that are supposed to be your subordinate in the sense of chain of command working for the people doing everything in the power not to work for their people but to work to make sure that they maintain power and they will come at you like nobody's business you have friends where the world says are enemies you have enemies that smile to you with colgate teeth like nobody's business it's crazy right but the thing is everything is coming to an end cuz there's always sunday people forget that on friday on Friday, people lost everything watching him die on that cross that began, you know, Wednesday. It actually happened. Holy Wednesday is when the whole thing started, where he was tried and then they started, they had the cross made and they were, um, you know, they actually crucified him on the Thursday evening. It wasn't in the morning. It started the whole, the whole trial according to to the way it was in the scriptures. Everybody keeps changing it. You know, it took him three days to resurrect. He resurrected on Saturday night at midnight, guys. It wasn't on Sunday night. Three days. He can't be crucified on Friday and come up on Sunday. But on Friday, people mourned him. So on Friday, people were mourning because he was slipping away. On Friday, it was when he was being mourned. <laughs> Even though he had passed, he was on the cross. So his past, the passion began on the Monday and ended on the Sunday. And there's always a Sunday and today is Friday. Today we mourn for those opportunities we lost. We mourn for those that we cannot find that have been hurt. This is where we're at right now for Friday because there's always Sunday. Sunday is coming and nobody can take away Sunday because Sunday comes around only once according to the proverb and we are going to see it happen. Now, what are we going to see happen? Well, that's all you have to remember. We have all these things that have gone on. All of these things. How many? 
It's starting, and the initiation was just like Barr said when he started his discussion. He did it with the initiation of the cross when it was carried. Think of the day he told you that he is not going to be writing a report. He is going to be pushing it along. That's what you have to remember. You know, it's interesting that as... We are suffering as we are being tortured in our homes, being held hostage by the fake news media that we will go through. Today, it'll be that initiation and you will see that initiation. You have seen, like this week has been just remarkable for me. You know, Wednesday night we had, you know, Barr coming out with the information about FISA and how it is. And this is where we are carrying the cross, okay? And this is where we mourn. Mourn for allowing all of this to happen. And then Sunday is coming. And that's the thing. Don't be so fixed on how, uh, you know, like, oh, it's on this. Oh, it's already, it just kicked off. And I'm hoping that the first unsealing will be something that we can cover. At least uh, that we, the independent media, which is we the people, uh, get it. Because there is no way that the mainstream media will even cover it. Anything, uh, you know, that will involve one of them is um, completely, completely, completely false, apparently. So (laughs) that's the way it is, right? They're going to tell you it's false. But the truth is, is that they know where the truth lies. And what they do is they listen to you. They listen to me. They read our tweets. They read our writings because they don't know what's going on because for the first time ever, they're the ones in the dark. So when I get back after the short break we'll continue this and um check out what the president has to say during the coronavirus announcement because he looked pretty ready to go Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, with you always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time. So I'm going to jump into a little bit of quantum mechanics, quantum physics, um, to kind of explain something to you. Uh, And those of you that are my subscribers, thank you for the feedback on Greenland. Uh, That was awesome, right? Thank you. And you're getting this, too. But I thought it would be important for me uh, to use it today. So there's there's, uh, two theories that I subscribe to in regards to the application of string theory. And so, believe it or not, even though I've been subscribing to this for a very long time, Stephen Hawkins only published a paper just a couple of years ago, um, right before he died. 
a couple months before he died. And it dealt with the idea of uh, a multiverse universe, meaning parallel universes. So the idea is that, you know, space and time is flat, right? So you uh, hypothesize that it's flat. And the number of possible configurations of multi-universes would be, uh, you know, limited to uh, 10 to the 10th power that's to the 123rd power, one, two, three. So uh, with infinite number of cosmic patches and infinite arrangements, everything infinite over and over and over again. That means there are infinitely so many parallel universes and patches across ours, mine, and yours. And they just differ by one little particle in your body's position. You know, I always use you know, the, 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 the notion, you know, if you exit your house and you go left rather than right, your future has changed. And this is very true. Our collective reality though, doesn't shift so easy. Okay. Uh, but but if you were to see it on a table, let's say you had like a bunch of straws and each straw was a reality, there would be millions infinite straws. Now, a good chunk of those straws would have the same event occurring in multiple, you know, realities or parallel universes. Um, and this is, you know, science. Okay. This is just science. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, sci-fi. This is actual science. Quantum science tells us in actual fact, and I'm explaining the flat line running, uh, to be more precise, to be easier to understand, but it tells us that there is no flat line running from the past to the future, you know, and it's not. And even though, you know, that, that notion that the past is right behind you and the future is right, your past is more concrete than your is concrete and your future is not. I mean, the probability and expectation is, let's put it that way. But there are many lanes of time running simultaneously. And believe it or not, you can change lanes. So, for example, Nostradamus, right? Oh, he predicted, maybe he was really good at math and didn't know it, right? But not everything came out. Why? Because that was the line that he was facing and looking down on. Does that make sense? In regards to time. So, a lot of things can shift, be on pause, be delayed, and changed. But one thing stands true. That no matter what happens, the initiation of an event to its termination... Uh, are the only two fixed points that there's always a start. There's always an end, right? The start can is, is, is so significant to an event that is significant that it cannot be shifted though. The peak or the visibility of the start of this event are what can be skewed with time due to changes. So just so you understand, I've said this before, positive, positive outlooks from all resonating on higher frequencies allow us to collect that majority of, you know, timelines and parallels to bring them into focus where we want to have them. Uh, you know, it's never instant, but one thing is for sure. The start is not shifted, especially when it spans across all visible timelines, you know, because you can't do it to infinity. I mean, not even a quantum computer can really do that. Right. But, um, we have the power to direct our awareness, um, in this, you know, field. Um, and the way you can kind of envision it is like a quantum holo 
hologram, let's just say. That's what it's called in the field. And it can, it can take and start an, uh, uh, um, an, a thread of a timeline, a vertical strand of time somewhere, and then try to either mimic or bring it together because the other one has been sick or has been compromised or is not good. So this is how you bring them together to bring on peak performance. Uh, but just so that you understand the fixed times, these are what, you know, um, in ma- yeah, well, they're, they're the fixed points cannot be changed, but the time in between those two fixed points, which is the start and the end can be manipulated. So, for example, uh, I was awaiting uh, in February that um, the unsealment of the first indictment to someone that I've worked with in the past. I was expecting it and it did not happen. Why? Because something else happened. Why? Because something else happened. Then coronavirus. So, you know, takes a back burner. This was supposed to happen. This was the fixed point in time. Uh, It's going to start, but it's not going to, you know have the same speed, the same direction, uh, the same velocity. <laughs> Everything's going to be different till it gets to the end. So that is concerning. And, you know, it should be a concept that, you know, you, you, um, you, f- you embrace. Now, in the meantime, it is Good Friday and I'm feeling kind of festive. And I want you guys to remember everything that I play for you is highly specific. So I'm going to play for you a song and I want you to just listen to the lyrics and enjoy it. You've probably never heard of it. This is by Ryan Stevenson. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. And in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor When my sails are torn Your love surrounds me In the eye of the storm When the solid ground is falling out From underneath my feet Between the black skies and my red eyes I can barely see When I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family I can feel the rain reminding me In the eye of the storm, you remain in control In the middle of the war, you guard my soul You alone are the anchor, when my sails are torn Surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. When my hopes and dreams are far from me, and I'm running out of faith, I see the future I picture slowly fade away. And when the tears of pain and heartache are pouring down my face, I find my peace in Jesus' name. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me.
doctor says I've only got a few months left It's like a bitter pill I'm swallowing I can barely take a breath And when addiction steals my baby girl And there's nothing I can do My only hope is to trust you I trust you, Lord In the eye of the storm You remain in control what we would call the eye of the storm. Yes, because this is where everyone is starting to wake up, starting to see it for what it is, starting to see the fake news for what they are. And it's about time that that the light goes on. And we're just like, hold on a second. So yesterday we had, uh, you know, the, um, the office of uh, director of national intelligence call out CNN on air saying that their article was fake news and that U.S. intelligence agencies did not start tracking the coronavirus outbreak as early as November. They did not. Because he would know because <laughs> they're above all the agencies. Well, the... um the perceived, yes. So uh, that was pretty telling. I mean, your news is so fake that the office of the DNI has to call you out on Twitter. Not only that, CBS struck again, the first time saying that they accidentally showed footage of the I- Italian hospital, and that was an error. But how do you cause, uh, how do you make a mistake again for a second time? So they broadcast the fake hospital footage again after they've already been told. That this is false. You are wrong. So stop me. 
if, I, if I'm in any place wrong, to say that right now the mainstream media, what they are doing is terrorizing the people of the United States. This is what they're doing. They're holding you hostage to fear, hanging this, you know, coronavirus over your head. Not only that, we have those people that they call experts hanging over us numbers that are not happening, numbers that will not happen, numbers that cannot happen. Why are they doing this? What, who wins? Obviously, they get money, but who wins? Why are they terrorizing? Because you vibrate on another frequency. You're more vulnerable. And when Fauci came out today and said that we should look to get digital certifications, that we should be pushing all these things in and getting this wrong, you know, getting our, you know, uh, we should carry coronavirus immunity papers. That's just going to cause more division within our nation to disassociate from people that are not immune. I mean, most of us that are a blood type of O are in a more beneficial position than others. So does does that make us that the, does that make the rest of you know the population that has a b or a b less uh, a child of a lesser god or someone we shouldn't be with this is what we th- we should be thinking of but you know no one is paying attention to what's going down underneath all of this rubbish no one is paying attention to what is happening did you know that google had gone and applied to the doj to the department of justice to actually use underwater cables. Did you know that? Yes, they did. They actually had, uh, the Department of Justice had filed a petition with the FCC because of Google's application to operate a subsea cable. Remember, for one, for some bizarre reason, people think that we're only relying on satellites for communication when it's really old school. See, nobody thinks of how these things operate. We actually have a cable that runs from the East Coast out to Europe, out to Africa, and from the West Coast out to China, Japan, Australia. It's cabled underwater. So uh, on behalf of, you know, the DOJ and the Department of Homeland Security, the department told the FCC that, uh, you know, the well, yeah, that agencies <clears throat> shouldn't oppose Google's application to operate Pacific Light Cable Network System. Th- listen to it. PLCNS. Connecting the United States to Taiwan for the next six months. What? Pending the deposition of the disposition of the license application. So what they're saying is you can't stop the agencies from, you know, from them doing it while you know, they're pending the licensing agreement. This is, listen, Google has immense power right now. And the thing is, how do you stop it? It is a, it is ABC. It's the alphabet company because it has all the letters of the alphabet, all encompassing the basis of everything. The name tells you it all. And this is terrifying, uh, terrifying because when you realize who is really behind alphabet, it will make your skin crawl. So they've, uh, you know, they applied to the FCC operating 
authority uh, and they got a special temporary authority on April 2nd. And so this uh, special temporary authority, also called the STA, um, uh, Google said that it needed immediate need to internal demand for capacity between the U.S. and Taiwan. And without it, it's it, it and without the sought without it. Google would have to seek uh, to find alternative ways of uh, having capacity to perform their duties and therefore increase prices. So they're like, we're going to have to price gouge if you don't give us this. And it's like, wait, hold on a second. What? So under the provisional national security agreement, Google agreed to a range of requirements, obligations, access and security guarantees, as well as auditing and reporting duties, uh, you know, to our national security. Security, uh, you know, teams that we have here. And so this agreement also includes that Google commits to diversifying the interconnection points in Asia. This is, this is horrible, horrible, because it's so dumb to think that a direct link to Hong Kong, they say, harms uh, national security. It does. It does. Because once you have a hardwired connection, it's over. You have pure access. You know, what? what, what is it that, that, that has to be there? We, we need cables. We need more cables. Why do we need more cables? Tell me why we are uh, giving more access. This is how they shut you down. This is how they throttle the information you can get because when you're not using their networks and you're using an alternative network, uh, they get upset because they need to be in control. That's the way it is. Now, Everyone has been waiting, including myself, for the president of the United States to come up on uh, the coronavirus task force uh, announcement, and he hasn't done the press the the press the press briefing yet, which is pretty incredible. He's a little bit delayed, uh, but what what? What he's going to say today, I'm assuming, is more on the – he's going to give us more that he withheld during his Easter wishes. I urge you to watch the video retweeted by, uh, you know, uh, Dan Scavino. That is the importance of it. And, you know, uh, like I said, he looked – a little bit distraught um, and in thought and concerned. And this goes back to the start never changes. The start point never changes. The intensity of the start can, but it doesn't mean that it changes. In all timelines across, the start has begun. So now we will see and revel in joy. Uh, of, of the intensity. And I know all of us are at a point where in order to feel something, it has to be really hard in order to see something it has to be something hard. And that's so unfortunate that we have been conditioned to think that only if it's a boom, that it's perfect. But yet we have so much going on in the background, so much incredible information, you know, the information that we're getting is just incredible. You do know Bill Gates was a dropout, right? He's not a doctor. He's not an epidemiologist. He's not a virologist, right? He's not even an engineer. You know, he was a guy with a really great idea and a really good bloodline and pedigree. He owns thousands of patents in regards to medicine, owns vaccines. And, you know, he's, he's been a frequenter of Epstein's Island. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, it, 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 it all comes into focus the minute you 
are able to open your eyes in bed, right? And, and this is it. This is how we move forward. You know, when the president said that the Republican Party today approved him by 96%, I was thinking, where's the other 4%? <laughs> why aren't they there? Why aren't they, why aren't they moving along? Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's so incredible what has been happening and it's so difficult to, uh, you know, push out, um, bring the real information forward because the majority of it is, is there. It's just that collectively it's difficult for people to, um, it is one of the big, it's a horse pill. <laughs> it's not a red pill. It's a horse pill. The, the, the pills that we can't, you know, um, the, that we can't swallow. It's a horse pill. So, you know, we saw the Godfather speak, which by the way, I wanted to uh, play that clip now that, you know, um, I got it up. Here we go. His primary focus isn't to prepare a report. He is looking to bring to justice people who were engaged in abuses if he can show that they were criminal violations. And that's what the focus is on. So he's diligently pursuing it. Uh, My own view is that uh, the evidence uh, shows that we're not dealing with just uh, mistakes or sloppiness. There was something far more troubling here. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. And if people uh, broke the law, and we can establish that with the evidence, they will be prosecuted. I think the president has every right to be frustrated because I think what happened to him was one of the greatest travesties in American history. Without any basis, uh, they uh, started this investigation of his campaign. Uh, And even uh, more concerning, actually, is what happened after the campaign, a whole pattern of events while he was president. Uh, So I, uh, to sabotage the presidency, and uh, I I think that, uh, or at least had the effect of sabotaging the presidency. So he needs to prove that there were crimes with the laws that we have. And their goal was what? To sabotage it. But they didn't just investigate him. They investigated every single person that was in his orbit. Not only during the campaign, but after. While he was, anyone that was supporting this man was being probed like nobody's business. That is the thing. So what we need to remember is that... (laughs) In, in time, in general, in time, everything, there are fixed points that things bounce off. And fixed points meaning by, since we have intimate, in, intimate, oh my gosh, infinite realities that are parallel to each other, there is always a majority of 80% that have the same fixed point because they share the same fixed history, right? Because there's history that could have, would have, should have, <laughs> that didn't, um, because your history is fixed from today. Like today, where you are right now at this moment, the history behind you, all the choices you've made, all the left turns, right turns, jumping, falling, working, cussing, drinking, eating, going to the bathroom, sleeping, all of those choices have brought you to where you are right now. And like it or not, good position or not, I pretty hate, I pretty much hate my position right now, but that's okay. Um, I embrace it. You know, uh, objectively, I would say, you know, subjectively, I would say, oh, I don't like it. Objectively, I'd say, wow, winning. Um, even though I feel like I'm not. So, 
this is where we're at. That can't change. What happened in the past can't change. This is why you always have to look into the past to be able to understand and foresee the future. And uh, fixed points never change. The start has started. That's what happened. And, you know, in regards to uh, those that um, the mass burials with dump trucks, which I'm appalled of, um, you know, I would urge all of us to just say a small prayer, no matter who they are. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So I thought that um, before, while we wait for the president for his big announcement, I just want to reinforce that today is a big day for us. Uh, you know, it's DJT day, it's 41020, and it'll be a massive day. But you can never change the start point. Remember that. Today is a start. We must listen carefully. I'm hoping that we get the beginning of his interview, or his announcement, uh, you know, on air. Maybe he wants to listen to me. So what I'm going to tell him is, <laughs> what I'm going to tell him is, is that our, advers- uh, our adversaries, like I've been saying, have been exploiting the idea of this COVID-19. Think of this. We had a global collection of media and, uh, um, uh, I would say government officials around the globe coming together in order to impeach our president or wait a minute in order to uh, make sure he doesn't get elected and then impeach our president. They all came together. So what makes you think that this blow up, this expansion, this coronavirus is not orchestrated either? Does that fall short from what they're capable of doing? Absolutely not. Here's how Fox put it. I was a little bit disappointed, but eh, at least they mentioned it, right? All right, as the battle that we're fighting here against the virus rages in the U.S. and around the world, our adversaries, China, Russia, and Iran, are taking advantage of the global pandemic to weaken Western democracies and disinformation against us. Let's bring in the four-star general, senior uh, strategic uh, military commander, uh, General Jack Keane. General, what is uh, what are Russians and Ch- what does Russia and China do on the intelligence end to uh, to hurt us? Yeah, well, let me first say uh, all three of these countries are certainly exploding COVID-19 at our expense. But none of their activities are putting us on a path to major confrontation. I want to ensure our audience about that. First of all, disinformation is is one of their mainstays. And, and And that is they want to undermine the people's trust in their government. They're also pushing back on the sanctions that have been imposed and want them removed based on the humanitarian effect of COVID-19. And the other thing is they, they're underscoring the fact that the United States has the largest outbreak of COVID-19, and that's due largely to the incompetence of the United States government. That is what is surrounding the disinformation campaign. They're also posturing in terms of trying to create goodwill in terms of their rhetoric, but also delivering supplies and equipment and people, particularly Russia, China, Iran's not involved in it, to other countries. And then the last thing they're doing, Russia has tied up the president in Ukraine a little bit because of COVID-19 and the focus he has to have on his country. He got him to agree to negotiate with Russian proxies for the first time. But interestingly enough, 
the people balked on it. And Iran is posturing here um, to take advantage of what they believe the United States has turned inward. And I think that is why the United States picked up on a plan for them to conduct a large-scale attack inside Iran, inside Iraq, excuse me. It may have been thwarted by the president acknowledging that that was in the planning stage. And, and also China, because Taiwan has been so successful uh, dealing with COVID-19, and they've been critical of mainland China, they've upped all of their military activities around Taiwan. But then again, I want to say that none of these activities put us on any path to major conflict or war, with the exception of possibly some limited conflict with Iran, which would not lead to war. So that's what they're trying to say. But let's now look at reality. China's may be experiencing a second wave, number one. Number two, the Russians act like they, they don't really have a coronavirus problem. They got a huge problem. And, it, and then Vladimir Putin has already paid the price. In what respect? Well, yeah, COVID-19 is hitting Russia like it is any other country. And of course, they're, they're dealing with it is absolutely uneven. They haven't marshaled all the resources. Uh, of their government and private sector the way the United States has in coping with a growing unrest in the country. In April, President uh, Putin was supposed to have a referendum of consolidation which would give him the presidency indefinitely. He has now called that off because the popularity for President Putin is tanking. And, and, and that obviously is a good thing as far as the United States is concerned, because Putin gets up every morning trying to put a finger in the eye of the United States. Okay, General, I have to disagree. I mean, he's putting a finger in anybody's face in order to save his nation, just like we are. But here's the thing. It, it has started, and this COVID-19 has been a distraction, but the start happened. And I'm glad that we saw the sign. We saw the first satellite come down. <laughs> I retweeted it and I will get that video um, uh, during uh, the announcement, hopefully that the president will start soon, um, you know, if I can while I'm on air and put it up for you guys. The start never changes. Remember, I, I, I think I'm the only one that has been talking about this start agreement. You know what the start agreement is, right? The start agreement is simply, simply, just so you understand, simply there to ensure that we have nuclear uh, agreements in space. And so the first one has come down just in the Guam sky, which, by the way, I've been to Guam. And um, actually, I wasn't stationed there. A uh, family member of mine was, but I had gone through Guam. I actually was in Guam when I left to go get <laughs> a tattoo in Manila. Um, <laughs> Um, so this is what, uh, I tweeted it out. Uh, this is where you see the satellite coming down. Whose satellite? That's a question for something else. Could it be Chinese? Could it be, I don't know whose it is. Could it be the GSGs? I don't know. Maybe we should ask Brennan whose satellite that is. Because like I said, starts have a fixed point in time, the only thing that changes the, the intensity of the start. Uh, you know, you always start a race and you can either start fast out of the gate or slow. You could be the horse that drags in the back and then runs to the front at the end. You can pick up speed in the middle and slow down at the end. But the start and the end are fixed points in time and the start has happened. It has occurred. And uh, boy, uh, you know, 
that start agreement ends in 2021 and we haven't seen any coverage of discussion. And the only person asking, come on, let's talk about this, is Russia, which makes it all more confusing. Why isn't the crown, I mean, apparently since they say that the crown is so much more eloquent, right? Why hasn't the crown discussed this while they're pushing their missiles up to Scotland, while they're moving their nukes and hiding them in Scotland? Yeah, we see everything. Everybody sees everything. <laughs> so that is uh, quite a very interesting feat uh, that came across the news feed. But listen now what the general has to say after claiming, you know, Russia's trying to stick fingers in the eyes. Take a listen. The other thing is Iran is saying, hey, world, have the U.S. released the sanctions. We're getting killed here by the coronavirus. Should we? No, a- absolutely not. Look, we offered them humanitarian aid, Brian, and they, and they turned it down. We've got to keep our foot on the, on the pedal here with, with sanctions. And there's one sanction that we, we, we should Whoa. impose. And we, we have given relief to Russian nuclear uh, uh, power uh, companies, Ross Adams, namely. And, and the reason is, is dealing with uh, nuclear power plants. And the reason is the United States is dependent on foreign uranium and particularly Russian uranium. We should impose sanctions on Ross Adams and others like that. We should absolutely close the door on the Iranians. The Iranians have never been on their heels as much as they are now. We've got to keep the pressure on them. Uh, at least in my lifetime. And uh, finally, when it comes to reopening our economy, there's some principles in the military that you want to bring forward that could help us in the civilian world, show flexibility, show perseverance, and decentralize the execution. So, for example, what happens in Philadelphia won't exactly be needed in Charlotte, North Carolina, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Different places, different times, changing situation. You have to have flexibility, so adapt to a, a changing situation, assess the risk, and then execute vigorously. Perseverance is about uh, overcoming the impediments, the obstacles, setbacks, and failures, but you persevere nonetheless, and you have to have the spine to overcome your fear. Actually, you adapt you improvise and that's how you overcome. That is the rule of thumb, right? We adapt and we improvise. That is the only way we overcome. And gosh, guys, let's be honest. This president has been improvising from day one. This president has been on his heels from day one. They talk about Iran being on their heels. They have no heels to stand on anymore. They don't have any heels to, 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 to bounce off of anymore because President Trump made sure of that because we no longer work with Iran. We no longer cater to Iran. So these calls for sanctions to be relieved, well, then where is the call to tell Turkey to stop turning off the water in northern Syria? I don't see it anywhere, do you? So these are uh, times where we need to be calling the news for what they are. They are fake, they are false, and we need to start holding them accountable. That is all we have to do. Um, Okay, so someone asked me if I was going to expand on um, 
maybe asking Brennan. So I've made it clear that John Brennan, before he was CIA director, worked for a private company that collects global intelligence. Do you think that a private company that was founded with old Saudi money, old Qatari money, with all the Arabs he was running around with, and Chinese money, okay, that they wouldn't have their own satellite communications in order to communicate? How do you think, (laughs) why do you think that they're so insanely upset right now because they can't communicate. Why do you think Pelosi went to ball games and basketball games to sit and have a discussion under the guise of, I'm just at a game. These are the things you need to understand that they have modes of communicate. I mean, I have a friend. I, 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 was, I am planning on uh, going somewhere uh, that n- no man has ever gone to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to Mars. Who says I haven't been there? No, I'm just joking. But I have, I have been planning something, and I was talking with a friend on logistics and I was like, look, right after President Trump gets elected and he's in, um, I want us to, to, to do this and I want to pool and crowdsource people for it. And so we were talking, well, how are we going to do communications if there's no this or that? And I said, I have a friend that has part of a satellite. Yes. Owning satellites is the, is the new I own an island. Um, you know, uh, this is, you know, how people communicate. They have to have satellite access. They have to have real estate in space. This is the, the tomorrow, uh, you know, mega rich people, right? They own satellites and they have their own networks to bounce it off on. So this is what you're seeing. This is when you cut out their communications, they're blind. That's how they go dark. That's how they can't see. But again, we have to focus on the start agreement. How come we don't have any discussions on the start agreement? This is scary, especially when you see the crown move the way they do. We have to see how they move, how they communicate. Methods is all about it. You know, I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of, uh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to change the way I'm going to say this. Um, okay. So let's hypothetically say, that there was a group of people that, um, you know, were working on trying to tackle reality hackers, right? And so those group of people are obviously tapping into other groups of people uh, through friendships, through working together and communicating. And so those groups of people tell, you know, people, hey, maybe we shouldn't like talk. Oh, we're friends, but, you know, I don't want you to be at that place because the, the thing that, that I've always said and I've stressed this is they can make you. They could say, oh, you're this or you're doing this. They could point the finger. But the problem that they have is when they can't figure out the method. So how do you find out the method? The same way the president's been finding out their methods. You bring them into your house, right? Or (laughs) you bring them into your house or what else do you do? You then look at their friends. And so, of course, if they're friends and they're talking about everything and they're sharing information, that friend definitely must have some trace of some, you know, site, some drive, some email that will lead us to how they're doing this. How are they doing this? How are they hacking the reality hackers? We can't let them do this. We need to figure out how they're doing this, right? They're just trying to find the methods, So it's really important to understand that when you're, uh, when you're in this scenario where you are, you know, people are trying to figure out your methods, your most important and vital 
tool is communication and where you can um, foster that. So communication is always key because that is the one that exposes or conceals your methods. And so this satellite, I guess, would be a method. Maybe this is why no one's talking about the start agreement because the start agreement would open up, you know, after so long and suddenly you're going to see all these people with satellites up there, uh, you know, tons of them, millions of them with LLCs registered as owners uh, and not front-facing people, uh, you know, like countries share satellites, uh, you know, um, nations um, have come into agreements to share satellites. So which satellites are the ones, you know, Space Force has been very busy and they're the elitist and, oh man, I was watching, uh, you know, the head of Space Force talk on a video. I'll share that. It was so enjoyable to watch him. Uh, so, um, you know, he was just awesome. And the way he spoke was perfect. We're a small team because guess what? Space Force doesn't need to be out in space. I don't need to be floating around with my satellite so that I can, you know, take yours down or hijack it or, you know, put a jump drive from behind where you can't see. I have to be at a place with a really good computer and I have to be able to access that point and give the right coordinates. So right now, who knows, I can have one of those, uh, you know, payloads that are the size of, you know, sliced white bread, a pack of sliced white bread that expanded into satellite. That's looking, <laughs> looking at me right now, honing on me right now. That's, that's how it goes. That's how they look. That's how they see. This is why we can see when Iraq and Iranians were planning something and we can see everything. Flies on walls are pretty interesting, but this one is outside of that realm on, on a more 3D version, on a more this reality version, and it's, it's pretty intense. Uh, this start agreement is going to be the beginning and the end, uh, you know, for a lot of nations. Now, I wanted you to listen to what Carl, Carl Rove said uh, in regards to how the president will actually win re-election because apparently, <laughs> apparently <laughs> Joe Biden is in the lead. So he says that the only way that he can win is uh, his response to the economy. And let me tell you something. If he revived an economy that was on life support and not only on life support, but being crushed. He's going to do it again, and it's going to be even better than ever. Now, I see that Fauci and Scarf Lady are already there flanking the side, so I guess we're going to tune into the President of the United States that's coming in soon, so I won't play it. But uh, think about it this way, guys. For the last, you know, eight minutes that we have, and I guess we're only going to get about five minutes of President Trump live on Tory Says, uh, I want you guys to, to, to think for a moment. This economy was was uh, was boosted up from nothing. Uh, he tried to concentrate our manufacturing here, and like I said, you know, everything that has been made in America has always been made to stand the test of time. I have T-shirts from Maui and Sons that I had bought as a kid. Right. And I still have them because they were made in America. I never shopped Maui and Sons again when I saw that they were, uh, you know, manufacturing in China. The quality went down. Everything went down. I actually really like their logos. And 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 the, and they were the thing, you know, to wear on the beach. Right. When I was a kid. So 
uh, made in America is something that he pushed. I guess now with this coronavirus, we've made the best of it to um, reinforce that. And that's what we're seeing right now. So him reviving this economy, this crumbled economy where people don't have jobs and small businesses are, you know, falling apart. He's going to revamp it like nobody's business. Here's the president. Let's go. Thank you very much, everybody. Good afternoon. Today is Good Friday, and this Sunday, millions of Christians celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At this holy time, we pray that God will heal the sick and comfort the heartbroken and bless our heroes. As American families look forward to Easter, we're reminded that our story ends not in despair, but in triumph and renewal. Very appropriate, isn't it? I'd like to provide Americans an update on our ongoing efforts in the war against the invisible enemy. Before I do that, I'll have a couple of notes. Uh, The United States, in discussions last night with Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and in dealing with OPEC nations, uh, we are trying to get Mexico, as the expression goes, over the barrel. And Mexico is committing to do 100,000 fewer barrels. The President and I spoke last night. We have a great relationship, great friendship. They're helping us very much at the border. They have 27,000 soldiers, Mexican soldiers, on our border right now, stopping people from coming into our country. As our wall goes up, we're up to about 168 miles of wall. And uh, in speaking with the President, uh, they have a limit. Uh, The OPEC nations have agreed to a different limit, reduction of about 23 percent. So what I thought I would do, and I don't know that it's going to be accepted, we'll find out. The United States will help Mexico along, and they'll reimburse us sometime at a later date when they're prepared to do so. And uh, we had a great conversation, but we'll find out how that all works out. As you know, they're trying to uh, get rid of the glut of oil. There's a tremendous glut of oil, and we don't want anything to hurt our incredible industry. We're actually the largest producer in the world now. So we don't want anything to hurt those jobs, those great jobs in Texas and North Dakota and Oklahoma and everywhere. We have uh, a tremendous energy, New Mexico, tremendous energy business, and uh, we want to keep those jobs. So we're we're working on it. I think eventually it's going to work out, may work out quicker than what most people thought possible, and maybe it won't, but it'll work out eventually. Our experts are monitoring the data from every part of our country having to do with the topic that we're here to discuss. In the midst of grief and pain, we're seeing clear signs that our aggressive strategy is saving countless lives. Uh, Tremendous progress is being made, although when you look at some of the numbers, I just spoke with Governor Cuomo, we had a good talk. When you look at those numbers, uh, the numbers of death people that have died. Uh, It's so uh, horrible. Now, on the other side, you have the numbers of beds being used, we're just saying, are substantially reduced. That's usually the sign that it's heading in the downward curve. Uh, So New York, we know where that is. 
But in the midst of all this grief and this pain, we're seeing these signs, and we're seeing them very strongly. And a lot of that has to do with the aggressive strategy in saving so many lives. We're saving so many lives compared to what it could have been. So nobody knows what the number is, but we had a number of 100,000 lives, as many as that is. It's impossible to even think of it. And that was the low end with a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of, uh, you can call it many different things. Uh, our people had to be extremely strong and brave to be able to put up with what they've put up with. But uh, the minimum, if you did this, uh, social distancing, and every other aspect, and I, I think I can say 90 percent, maybe even more than that, we're able to do it. Uh, the minimum number was 100,000 lives, and I think we'll be substantially under that number. Hard to believe that if you had 60,000, uh, you can never be happy, but that's a lot fewer than we were originally told and thinking. So they said between 100 and 220,000 lives on the minimum side, and then up to 2.2 million lives if we didn't do anything. But it showed a just tremendous resolve by the people of this country. So we'll see what it ends up being, but it looks like we're headed to a number substantially below the 100,000. That would be the low mark. And uh, I hope that bears out. The situation in Detroit and New Orleans appears to be stabilizing. Uh, Detroit is really started to go up, and now it is stabilizing. And New Orleans is a uh, great place. I have so many friends there, they can't believe what's happening, but it's really stabilized. I spoke with the... So I'm going to stop it right there because I want to wish all of you a happy Easter uh, for those of you celebrating this weekend. Um, and just watch it start because it's, it's already started. And uh, it's going to be, like the president said, he's hoping for a very productive weekend. It will be productive because the initiation is what counts. So keep your eyes open because today is going to be a very big day. And I'm very excited for it. And for those Christian denominations that are celebrating Good Friday today, uh, you know, as you mourn the loss of the man that saved us, right? The man, uh, the, the person who came as man, um, remember that is, it is through him uh, that we were delivered. On that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous weekend. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio.